This is what you're fighting for. I mean, every day you're out there. What they're doing is blowing people off. If you continue to look the other way and shut up, then the oppressors, the authoritarians get total control and total power. Because this is just like in Arizona. This is just like in Georgia. It's another element that backs them into a quarter and shows their lies and misrepresentations. This is why this audience is going to have to get engaged. As we've told you, this is the fight. All this nonsense, all this spin, they can't handle the truth. War Room Battleground. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Okay, welcome. A uh, very historic and intense day on uh, Capitol Hill. First time in over, uh, or they say 100 years. Back then they went uh, nine ballots over three days. I want to bring in John Fun. John's the editor of Hotline the, uh, with Steve Moore over at the uh, Committee on American Prosperity uh, and also a columnist at National Review and one of the top authorities on election integrity, election fraud, and uh, vote stealing. He's got a new book out, Our Broken Elections. We'll get that up in a second. John Fund, um, walk us through what happened today. They just adjourn. Right now, we know the pressure cooker's really up because they're behind closed doors in each other's grills. We're, he we're hearing this from, uh, from people that are participants in this. Walk us through the, uh, what a historic day this was and what actually did we see happen? What we saw happen was a breakdown in trust between a significant part of the Republicans in the House and their leadership. Normally, the followers, uh, the troops, follow the generals. In this case, the lead general, Kevin McCarthy, did not have the confidence of at least a tenth of his members, actually probably more like a fourth, uh, if they were willing to uh, speak privately. And what you saw at the end was McCarthy decided not to have an all-night marathon so he called a halt to the vote after three rounds um, in a championship fight. And they're now uh, having a long recess and they'll uh, promise other things. They'll threaten, they'll bamboozle, they'll bully. Uh, but I don't think it's going to work because uh, if Kevin McCarthy were to win after this, I think he would be a fundamentally weak leader. I think the Democrats would sense that weakness and they would press for everything that they could on the floor. Uh, to anger he, he and his uh, anger the conservative base, sort of goad them on, and I think Kevin McCarthy would prove to be an ineffective, basically non-speaker. And I think in the end, what's going to happen is McCarthy's going to recognize that the chalice he's been handled is poisoned, and that uh, he'll step down. And I think ultimately the job is going to go to Steve Scalise, who is the whip, the number two House Republican right now, from Louisiana. Let me look, you've covered this for you've covered the politics for a long time, but particularly because today on the morning show, we talked about this was 12 years in building up from the Tea Party. This was really this kind of populist wing of the party, the Trump now the Trump movement part of it, but the Tea Party before that. And there was a lot of anger against what Russville calls the cartel or the or the central, um, you know, uniparty apparatus. So there was a lot of uh, this has been building up for for a while why do you say he'd be so weakened? Because he would have to, uh, he would have to uh, give up so much in order to get these votes? Well, he has, in the course of the last three weeks, when he's been campaigning for speaker, Kevin McCarthy has pretty much conceded everything to his critics, which has driven the moderates in the party crazy. 
Uh, so they no longer trust him because he said things like, I'm not going to allow vacating the chair. I'm not going to allow five members to band together and force a vote on whether or not I remain speaker. I promise you I won't do that. To the conservatives, he promised, well, I'm never going to agree with you. I'm never going to give you everything you wanted. So, you know, there's an old saying, Steve, and I'm sure you've heard it. You can't be all things to all people. And Kevin McCarthy, whom I've known for 25 years and has many admirable qualities, he's a tactical genius. He's a magnificent fundraiser. Uh, he's a great, if, if you want somebody to, you know, know how to turn the dials on the floor, he'd be good at it. But I'll be honest with you, having known him for 25 years and never having had crosswords with him, uh, he doesn't believe in much. He's not a policy guy. There's no ideological core there. In fact, his mentor, Bill Thomas, the former chairman of the House Ways and Means Committee, said the other day, I'm really disappointed in Kevin. It looks like he just doesn't believe in much anymore, except his own ambition. How did knowing that this day was coming? How did McCarthy get? I mean, he's the guy in charge of recruiting. He kind of formed this. How did, how did we? How did he actually get to a place to be essentially humiliated on the floor for a better part of the day? How did, how did this day arrive for him, given well, all the see, power it, he had to it shape all began, this? It all began seven years ago when John Boehner retired suddenly in the middle of a congressional session as speaker. And everyone thought it would be Kevin McCarthy who took over. He was the whip at the time. And the problem was that people didn't trust McCarthy then, seven years ago. He, remember, he ran for speaker, then he stepped down. And that's how we ended up with Paul Ryan, because people were desperate. And they didn't have a plan B. So they went to Paul Ryan and said, you're respected, you're liked. You have national recognition because you ran as vice president for with Mitt Romney in 2012. Please be speaker. And Ryan reluctantly agreed with shall we say, at best mixed results. And McCarthy has already had this happen once. He had to step back in a humiliating fashion. But he stayed, you know, to his credit, he stayed. He campaigned for people. He raised money. He climbed up the greasy pole. And but now the doubts have returned more than ever that since the Republicans had a very disappointing election in the House, they expected to win 20 seats, 25, 30 seats. They ended up winning nine enough for control, but not for really effective control. And the, the margin is close enough because the speakership is elected by the entire body of Congress, not just Republicans, that he can only afford to lose four members of his 222 members. He loses five, he can't be speaker. Um, and now he's got 19 going to 20 and who knows what happens uh, tomorrow oh, morning. Given, look, Going up, you're one of the top. Look, you're one of the top guys in elections. You and Hans in, in the country, and what needs to happen to make sure the Democrats can't continue to to steal elections like they're doing in rigging elections. You also understand, given your time at National Review and the Wall Street Journal, the problems we have with the national debt, the problems we have with this uh, massive overspending, things like the omnibus. Given the fights that have to happen, if you leave the personalities aside, what the what the MAGA base or the populist wing of the Republican Party is fighting for today. Uh, how does this get resolved, regardless of personalities? Because there's clearly a, a difference in how hard you go after the Biden regime, how how much you you fight with the Senate, and you've got McConnell in Kentucky tomorrow rubbing up on uh, on Biden, uh, talking about bipartisanship, which really means just more collaboration by the by the uh, by the Republican Senate. So how do you see this playing out from a angle of attack yeah. point of view, not just personalities, but the policies that'll be implemented and fought for? 
Well, first of all, remember, Steve, the old joke that we have a stupid party and an evil party. And the one thing you never want to do in Washington is have legislation that's bipartisan because it will probably end up being both stupid and evil. Uh, the stupid party uh, cannot resolve everything just with this vote or whoever they elect as speaker. They're going to have to defer some fights and some internal divisions a little bit into the future. They have to figure out what we can agree on, what three or four central things unite all Republicans. And I would say it's this, um, and it has changed obviously in the era of Donald Trump. Uh, the first is the Trump economic policies worked. They worked. In fact, they were even lessening inequality. Real wages were going up until the pandemic. Uh, so we can agree that the Trump economic policies worked. We can agree that Trump recalibrated American foreign policy and trade policy to some extent. Now, some people want to go further. Some people want to stay where we are. Some people want to go backwards. But even Joe Biden is now beating up on China in small ways and medium-sized ways. Um, and so the agreement on a more assertive, independent America first foreign policy, more so than the days of Mitt Romney, but probably less so than what Trump would do on his own. Then the third thing you can agree on is the Biden administration and its allies in the media have weaponized certain instruments against not only the conservative movement, but the American people. I'm talking about the IRS. I'm talking about the FBI. I'm talking about big media. I'm talking about big tech. Uh, that's why one of the good things that McCarthy agreed to in trying to gal their votes for speaker was a subcommittee, a permanent subcommittee on the weaponization of the federal government against the American people. That's a very important. Abuses like that, if they're exposed and known by the American people, and there's a platform that people can use, not just C-SPAN, but your show and other shows, and they actually learn what's been done, they'll get angry. And I think that those kinds, those, those are three issues. There's a couple more. Transparency yeah. in government would be another no. one. If you do that, yeah. then you can start hang, hang on, taking on the Biden. Why, hang on. Why, 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 why you're talking about this, and I got Mike Davis up too. We've got the clip from, uh, from Jim Jordan's nomination speech today on the floor right. for Kevin McCarthy. Let's play that, and I want John Fund's uh, analysis and commentary. Let's go ahead and rip. Rise to nominate Kevin McCarthy for Speaker of the House. Uh, thank you, Madam Clerk. Um, I think we have three objectives this Congress, three fundamental things we have to get done in the 118th Congress. First, pass the bills that fix the problems. In two years' time, we have, went, we, we have a border that is no longer a border. We have a military that can't meet its recruitment goals. We have bad energy policy, bad education policy, record spending, record inflation, record debt, and a government that has been weaponized against we the people, against the very people we represent. So we, we need to pass legislation to address all that. And I hope my Democrat colleagues will join me. I really do. But I have my doubts. And if they don't, and if Chuck Schumer says, no, we're not going to take up that legislation that we pass, and if Joe Biden won't sign it, so be it. They'll have to, they'll have to answer to the people in 2024. Second, 
Second, we can never, ever let a bill like the one that passed 12 days ago, $1.7 trillion spent, we can never, ever let that kind of legislation pass again. We, We have, to, we have to pass a budget that makes sense, that's good common sense, then do the 12 appropriation bills that, that, are, that recognize it's the people's money, not ours, and send it to the Senate, and then stand firm on that legislation. And again, if they won't take it up, and Joe Biden won't sign it, we can stand firm on a CR or something. We can have that fight, but we are not gonna have what took place a week and a half ago ever happen again. And then finally, third, and this is important, we got to do the oversight, do the investigations. We have to do the oversight and the investigations that need to be done. This idea that bureaucrats who never put their name on a ballot but think they run the country, who have assaulted our constituents' First Amendment liberties, they need to be held accountable. That has to happen. We need to do it. We need to do it in a way that's consistent with the Constitution, but we need to do it vigorously and aggressively. That is part of our duty as members of this body. To my friends here on this side of the aisle, I would just say this. The differences we may have, the differences between Joyce and Jordan or Biggs and Bacon, they pale in comparison to the differences between us and the left, which now unfortunately controls the other party. So we had better... We had better come together and fight for these key things, these three things. That's, that's what the people want us to do. And I think Kevin McCarthy is the right guy to lead us. I really do, or I wouldn't be standing up here giving this speech. I, I came in with Kevin. We came in the same time 16 years ago. We haven't always agreed on everything, but I like his fight. I like his tenacity, and I like the... I remember Kevin told me, I actually wrote about this in a book. I remember Kevin told me, he said, when the, the toughest times in life are when you get knocked down, the question is, can you come back? And I've always seen him be able to do that. We need to rally around him, come together, and deal with these three things, because this is what the people sent us here to do. My favorite scripture verse is 2 Timothy 4, 7. Paul's the old guy giving advice to the young guy, and he says, fight the good fight, finish the course, keep the faith. I like the verse because it's a verse of action. Fight, finish, keep, not wimpy words, words that I think fit America. That's what the American people want us to do. They want us to fight for the things they care about and they elected us to do. And we should all remember, we should all remember, only about 12,000 people have ever had the opportunity to do what we're doing today, sit in this body, serve in this Congress. It is a privilege. It is an opportunity. We owe it to them, the American people, the good people of this great country, to step forward, to come together Get a speaker elected so we can address these three things. I hope you'll vote for Kevin McCarthy, and that's why I'm proud to nominate him for Speaker of the House. John, John, John Fun, you've been around. You've been around a long time. Your analysis of that speech, sir. In 1976, Ronald Reagan lost the Republican nomination to Gerald Ford. He was asked after Ford won to step up to the podium and give a speech to unify the party. 
Uh, Reagan's speech, you remember it, Steve. You may have been on a ship somewhere, but you remember it. Um, Reagan's speech was amazing. And but it, he barely mentioned Gerald Ford because it was about policy and principle <laughs> and what had to be done. And Ford was crushed because it wasn't about him. Well, I counted the speech for four minutes and 45 seconds. Kevin, uh, uh, Jim Jordan talked about what the party should represent and be. And then he said the omnibus bill we passed 12 days ago. Well, it passed with the passive acceptance of Kevin McCarthy. That speech was like Mark Antony's speech about Julius Caesar. I except that instead of I come to praise Caesar not to bury him, I come to bury McCarthy not to praise him. And I think that was a funeral dirge for Kevin McCarthy, not a nomination. A speech. funeral dirge. Uh, John, how did people get to the new uh, to the the hotline uh, morning uh, uh, newsletter? How did they get to you on social media, and how did they get the book? Well, I'm I'm on Twitter at John Fund, the new Twitter, shall we say? Uh, I certainly have NationalReview.com. But the best thing for your listeners and re and viewers, Steve, is just Google Committee to Unleash Prosperity, Committee to Unleash Prosperity dot org, um, and easy place to sign up on the newsletter. We have 80,000 readers. It's free. There are donors around the country who have want your viewers to get it for free. Uh, it's one of the best okay. possible sources of information. We will make sure we get that up there. We'll get everybody to sign up. John, thank you for taking time away today to join us for thank your you, assessment. Steve. Appreciate it. Thank you. John Fun, one of the smartest guys around. Um, I want to bring in Mike Davis, another fighter. Mike, first off, your comments and your observations on uh, Jim Jordan's nomination speech for Kevin McCarthy. Do you agree with John Fund? It was like Mark Antony's, uh, it was equivalent to Mark Antony's funeral oration for Caesar. Uh, it wasn't the most rousing speech. It was, I, I kind of thought it was the kiss of death uh, when I listened to it. Uh, here's the problem with all of all of these people who are advocating for McCarthy. There, why couldn't any other uh, Republican do what they're saying that McCarthy needs to do? They're saying we need to elect a speaker right away so Democrats don't uh, have Hakeem Jeffries become a speaker. That's just nonsense. There's no way that's going to happen. And then we need a speaker right away so we can move forward with investigations in the House. Well. McCarthy hasn't even picked all the committee chairmen. They haven't hired the staff, so they're not ready to go on these investigations anyway. So what's the what's the argument for Kevin McCarthy versus, say, Steve Scalise? Like, what, I, I'm just not understanding why there's such a compelling need to have Kevin McCarthy. He's been through three House votes now. He he lost 19 Republicans on the first one, 19 Republicans on the second one, and unbelievably. He lost 20 on the third. He's losing support. It's time for him to pack up. Uh, you know, he moved into the speaker's office yesterday or today, whenever it was, prematurely. It's time to, to have the movers go get his stuff and get out because he's now the one who's slowing down the Republican agenda because he doesn't have Republican support to become speaker, just like last time. He does not have the Republican support to become speaker because he didn't earn the Republican support to become speaker. He didn't win enough House seats this election, as John talked about, so he can have the margin to make up for the defects. And so it's time for him to bow out. And let's let's look at plan B. And there is a plan B, and it's Steve Scalise, because he's the one who can uh, unify the Republican Party, Republican House, and actually get elected Speaker. 
For the argument, I want to play the, um, and I want to make sure I read this properly. Scott McFarlane is, is, is reporting, it's on Twitter. He's reporting that, and this is General uh, Don Bacon, I think out in Nebraska, a, a congressman. Uh, Bacon is saying that, and he was very uh, vocal today about those people voting against Kevin McCarthy, took a, a, a lot of umbrage with it. He's just reported saying now, and I'm almost quoting, um, if the 20 GOP dissenters don't relent, McCarthy and his team will have to go seeking Democratic votes with sweeteners, including added committee assignments. Now, McCarthy's team has been pushing this thing of a coalition government where you have, you know, quote unquote, some blue dog Democrats join with neoliberal neocons like uh, General Bacon and others and form some sort of, uh, you know, make up with the, the MAGA Republicans with some sort of Democratic votes. The Democrats have been saying at the thing that ain't happening, right? They're voting for Hakeem Jeffries every time. But is is that a threat? that the, the savvy people in Capitol Hill are going to take seriously, or is this just more bluster? It's going to backfire. It shows that Kevin McCarthy is making this about Kevin McCarthy and not the House Republican Conference, not about conservatives, not about America. This is about Kevin. He wants to win the speakership at all costs, and he's willing to do whatever it takes to get there. Remember, he doesn't... He does Is he even conservative? Who knows? It's just whoever... He needs to appease that moment to get power. He's a chameleon and he's not fit to be the Speaker of the House. He doesn't have, uh, he, he doesn't, I don't know what his guiding principles are other than he wants to be the Speaker of the House. Kevin McCarthy's guiding principle is Kevin McCarthy and that's it. And he's proving this by making the House go through vote after vote after vote, threatening to uh, form a coalition government with Hakeem Jeffries and Democrats to dilute Republicans' power. He's just proving this is not about uh, the, the country, the House Republicans, uh, conservatism. This is about Kevin McCarthy. Uh, given that a, a lot of the what they call the dissenters were the MAGA Republicans and, and members of the, uh, of the House Freedom Caucus, they're saying, hey, look, it's only 20 people, right? Kevin's got 200 votes. Uh, these people are just a nuisance. How, compare that to the historic nature of what's happened. Because well, in the past, either people got in the first round, if they didn't have it, they wouldn't run. They would walk away. Compare it with what these uh, what the MAGA Republicans have done here on kind of a historical basis. Th this is so important. We haven't had this contested of a House speakership race. What I think it was like 1922, 100 years ago when there were eight rounds. This is critically important. This, you know, we, this is going to be the only federal body that Republicans control. It is critically important that we have someone in there who is actually conservative, who who understands and appreciates uh, conservative uh, conservatives, populist conservatives, and will fight for those people. And what we've seen with Kevin McCarthy uh, in his years in leadership is he's more concerned about appeasing the swamp, the D.C. lobbyists, the corporate interest in D.C. He doesn't give a damn about populist conservatives. And he's proven that time and time and time again. And we saw this with COVID. Where was he on COVID? Why, why wasn't he raising holy hell when the federal government, the CDC, was closing schools and locking us down during COVID? Where was he? Um, what, you know, where was he during the BLM and Antifa riots? Where was he, where was he when Democrats want to use uh, you know, their gender chaos in schools where they want to have boys and girls bathrooms, where they 
want to give gender affirming care, which is surgeries and pills to, to minors because they think they're a tomboy. Where has Kevin McCarthy been on any of these issues? Kevin McCarthy, what he does is he does the fundraising circuit. He flies around on a plane, raises a ton of money from corporate lobbyists at these fancy places all over America. He's very good at fundraising. But where is he as a red-pilled conservative warrior fighting for America when the Marxist left has been trying to destroy our country on overdrive since 2020 with COVID, with BLM, with gender chaos? Where has Kevin McCarthy been? Mike, how can people follow you? The next couple of days are going to be intense uh, and historically important and important for everybody that's focused on the direction of the country. How can people yeah. follow you? It's article3project.org, uh, article3project.org, at article3project, at article3project on Getter, Twitter, Truth. And the personal is MRDDMIA, MRDDMIA. Remember this, when big tech was canceling conservatives, kicking President Trump off of uh, you know social media, Kevin McCarthy was taking their money, doing their bidding. He has disqualified himself. He can't win. He needs to pack his stuff and get out. Mike Davis, thank you very much for joining us. Appreciate it. Look forward to talking to you tomorrow. The, uh, we're going to get Bob Good up here in the second part of the show. I really, I want to bring in Dr. Ryan Cole, and I'm going to ask him to stick through the break. Dr. Cole, any update from when you were with us on the morning show uh, about this uh, this uh, heroic uh, safety uh, for the Buffalo Bills? Any update? We've got about a minute, and I'm going to hold you through the break. Any update? I understand he's still in critical condition. Um, thankfully, he's still alive and holding on uh, by a thread, which is good news. And I think we're all hoping and praying that he pulls through and has a recovery that uh, will amaze us all. But that's the update. Uh, he's still in critical condition, and that's concerning. Um, uh, not out of the woods yet. And statistically, we'll go over some of the things that uh, can um add up to why the concerns are still present uh, based on his status being this long, still intubated and sedated. Uh, Dr. Cole, if you would hang on, we're going to uh, come back with you. We also have John Pierce, an expert on Pope Benedict the 16th. His funeral is Thursday. We're going to have Bob Good try to track Bob Good down in this very intense and historic day on Capitol Hill. Dr. Cole will join us as soon as we get back. Um, the controversy is about this sudden death syndrome. Uh, was this caused because of heart rhythm and being the play that was uh, he was hit in the chest on the tackle, or is it something to do with the vaccine? Dr. Ryan Cole will join us right at the break. John Pierce, an authority on Pope Benedict XVI and Bob Good, the congressman from Virginia that was kind of laughed at when he first said, there's not the votes there for McCarthy and they're not going to be the votes there for McCarthy. Short break. Back in the war room in just a moment. Will the lack of a red wave during the midterms lead to a more emboldened Biden, more wasteful government spending, higher taxes, the deepening of inflation? And how do you protect your hard-earned savings from chaotic financial markets? The answer, by diversifying your retirement savings with real physical precious metals with Birch Gold Group. Text Bannon to 989898 for a free info kit on protecting your savings with gold in a tax-sheltered account. Birch Gold has almost 20 years' experience converting IRAs and 401ks into precious metal IRAs. Text Bannon to 989898 and claim your free, no-obligation info kit. Don't let the left devalue your savings. Own physical gold and silver in a tax-sheltered retirement account from Birch Gold. 
Birch Gold has an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau and thousands and thousands of satisfied customers. Text Bannon to 989898 and secure your future with gold. Do it today. Take action. Use your agency. War Room Battleground with Stephen K. Bannon. Dr. Ryan Cole, uh, DeMar Hamlin had a horrific incident last night on national television. Is, is the question, is, was it commotio cordis versus some sort of vax after effect? What is this whole controversy between, was it about the hit and heart rhythmia or was it something to do with the vax? Can you set us straight on this? Certainly. So commotio cordis is exactly what it sounds like, commotion of the heart. And a blunt force trauma to the heart can stop the rhythm of the heart suddenly. It happens. It's rare. And he certainly took a hit. But the question that uh, is to be begged, and we should be asking this question societally, especially with the amount of uh, sudden deaths in the younger cohort and the younger population, not just nationwide, but worldwide, uh, 1,600 cardiac arrests since the rollout of the shots and 1,100 deaths in athletes. So we need to ask the question, did he have a booster recently? And it's especially dangerous if you're COVID recovered, which most people are, to get an injection on top of uh, COVID recovery because of the hyperimmune response that occurs in the body. And we know the heart is especially sensitive in these younger, more active individuals. So the vaccine could certainly be contributory if he had one even within the last four or five months. And we've seen this under the microscope. My colleagues, Dr. Burkhardt out of Germany and his group, some of the autopsies I've reviewed here. And so it, it could be a contributory factor. And you, you can't find what you don't look for. So the question should be explored and not ignored. And much of the media obviously is attacking for saying, oh, how dare you suggest this? Well, Ed Dowd, his new book, Cause Unknown, you know, the countless numbers of deaths in young people. And he has references to a, a hundred different peer reviewed papers uh, in the back of the book with, you know, vaccine cardiac injuries. So we know that it happens. You, you, um, you don't think this you don't think this is being a, a, a conspiracy theory wing nut to ask these questions for science and medicine, sir? No, science should ask all questions. There's no consensus in science. And if if these, you know, all doctors and scientists agree when you censor the ones who don't. And that's the problem we have. The question should be asked because this is what should be explored. And, you know, I, I, I hope it's not that, but we have ways of showing that it is in the laboratory. And hopefully it's not that. And again, wishing him a speedy recovery. But at the same time, if we're continuing to push and coercing young people in colleges, et cetera, and young athletes to take a shot they don't need for you know, a virus that no longer exists, these shots are expired, then we're causing harm to the youth of our nation. We're causing harm to the young, healthy people of our nation. And these shots have been proven to be a failure. And so we have to ask the question. If we don't ask the question, we will never find that answer. And we're going to see continued harm. So this is really honoring the Hippocratic Oath to first do no harm. So if we don't explore these scientific concepts, then we're not going to be doing right by humanity. Dr. Cole, how can people follow you on social media? How do they get to your website to find out more about you? Certainly at Dr. Cole, the number 12 on Twitter. I can also be found at the letter R C O L E M D dot com, R Cole M D dot com. And you can also find, you have to type it all the way in www 
globalcovidsummit.org. That's me, Dr. Malone, Dr. Urso, et cetera. So I can be found in those locations. Dr. Ryan Cole, thank you very much for sending us straight tonight. Appreciate it. Pleasure. Thank you, Steve. Okay, historic day on Capitol Hill, but there's going to be another historic day in the Vatican on Thursday. Uh, Joseph Pierce is an expert, uh, well, on many things in the Catholic Church, particularly Pope Benedict XVI. Uh, Joseph, for our, particularly for our non-Catholic audience, and maybe even for part of our Catholic audience, how are we in a situation where you have a pope that has died and going to be buried, uh, and the mass is going to be uh, officiated by a pope who's in office, sir? It's a very unusual situation. The last time that a pope resigned uh, or, or retired from office was a saint, actually, St. Celestine V, back in the 13th century. Um, and uh, Pope Benedict's the only pope since then to have followed that suit. But I would say one thing, however anomalous it was, and however all of us who admire Pope Benedict might have been disappointed by his resignation, um, we, the, the fact is that he, the, his predecessor is canonized. Uh, and, um, you know, I honestly believe, and I say in my book, that Pope Benedict's papacy uh, was much more successful than Celestine V's. And I, and I argue in the book, he was as holy as St. Celestine V. In other words, who's just passed away to meet his eternal, eternal reward is someone who I honestly believe, and I know many other people honestly believe, is now a saint. Um. Joseph Pierce, uh, and the book is by uh, Tan. It's on the it's on the uh, it's on the life and the papacy of, uh, of Pope Benedict XVI. He was uh, such coming off of the uh, reign of John Paul II. He was looked at particularly by traditional Catholics as being someone that could take the church through these turbulent times. And it was a absolute stunning shock when he stepped down because most people that raised Catholic didn't know about Saint Celestine. They never had been taught that a pope could actually step down or retire. Why did Pope Benedict, particularly given what's happened to traditional Catholicism after, why did Pope Benedict choose that path? I, I, I'll answer that as best I, as I can in a moment. But one thing I would like to say is he was uh, St. John Paul II's right-hand man for 20 years. The, the two of them together were a dynamic duo, and they turned the tide against the liberals and the modernists in the church. Uh, during St. John Paul II's reign. And then during the time that Pope Benedict was Pope, he did wonderful things for the restoration of, of tradition, for the, uh, for the, the, the uh, defeat uh, and defense of the church and defeat of modernism uh, and liberalism within the church. So he had a great deal of good uh, before he retired. Now, you know, obviously we're disappointed because we would have hoped that he would have carried on doing good uh, but I, I, you know, to answer your question, I, it's, it's speculative and there's lots of speculation out there. But my belief is that he didn't want to be Pope. You know, the good thing about holy men is they're not seeking power. Uh, he was hoping to retire with the death of, of the St. John Paul II. Uh, he took on the burden of the papacy and did a great job for the period that he was Pope and did some very important things, including the restoration of the traditional liturgy, uh, the traditional uh, Latin mass uh, and, and other good things. Um, but uh, I think that he hoped, that he, he, he realized he was getting old and getting weak and getting tired. And I think he hoped that uh, a younger predecessor would, uh, would take up the reins uh, and follow in, in his path uh, and, and continue with more energy uh, the trade he had blazed, both as uh, Cardinal Ratzinger 
as St. John Paul II's right-hand man and then as Pope Benedict XVI. I think that was his hope. Uh, Joseph Pierce, how do we get the book? Because people are going to want to read this now more than ever. How, how, do, how does people get the book and how do people follow you on social media, particularly now all the way through Thursday to the, f- the funeral? Well, they can certainly follow me and find out how to get the book at my personal website, which is jpierce.co, J-P-E-A-R-C-E.co. And they can buy the book directly from the publisher at tanbooks.com. Joseph, thank you very much. Look forward to having you back uh, before the funeral on Thursday. Thank you very much, sir. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Normally, a funeral for a po- the death and a funeral of a pope would be everything that Global News is talking about, but a historic day in Washington, D.C. today, and one of the individuals that drove that is Congressman Bob Good from Virginia. Congressman Good, and thank you. We had a little problem technically getting you up on Skype, but you joined us by phone. I, the first question I have to ask is, when you first came on the show, I think the day that you put out that you weren't going to vote for McCarthy, you said, hey, um, I'm telling you, Ken McCarthy's not going to be speaker. He's not going to get the votes. And and we had you on. And, and of course, the audience loved you. But the mainstream media was like laughing. And this who's this guy? He's a backbencher. Um, as we close the day on the 3rd of January, the first workday, it looks like Bob Good was a lot closer to being right than Kevin McCarthy and his team. Can you give us your assessment, sir? Well, uh, th- thanks for being with you, Steve. Sorry again for the technical difficulties. But, you know, I had predicted that we would have 10 to 15 votes against Kevin McCarthy on the first ballot. I was very pleased that my colleagues and I were able to bring 19 votes against him to hold that on the second ballot and then increase it by one on the third ballot. We were anticipating we would pick up even more votes on the fourth ballot. I think that's why Kevin McCarthy's team made the motion to adjourn. They wanted to try to have a sort of, I guess, a cooling off period to try to uh, reach out to some folks and see if they could try to persuade and change some minds. I don't think that's possible at this point. And, of course, we won't begin to vote again until noon tomorrow. But, you know, time is on our side, Steve. We should not be in a hurry to make a bad decision. This is too important for the country. We've got to bring transformational change to Congress. We've got to not only elect a better speaker today, but we've got to deal a blow, if not a fatal blow, at least a wound to the swamp cartel, the establishment uniparty system that's hostile to conservatives, that has contempt to the voters who send us to Washington and doesn't want the input of regular members who are you know, elected by their respective constituents in the, in the 435 House districts. So this is critically important. And as you know, Steve, there's no hurry anyway, because with only controlling one House of Congress and the Republicans having worked with the Democrats in the Senate primarily, but to some degree in the House, to pass the omnibus $1.7 trillion spending bill and surrender all of our financial leverage, our budgetary leverage, into September – the next time we'll have any ability to do anything meaningful in this Congress with the Republican majority will be when the debt ceiling limit is reached, when the debt ceiling increase is, comes forward, uh, probably around mid-year. And we don't want Kevin McCarthy surrendering and making a bad deal with Democrats as speaker like he did as majority leader and like he's done with every major spending bill since he's been in Republican leadership. The only one he voted against while he hoped it would pass, was the $1.7 trillion omnibus bill from a couple of weeks ago where he winked at his Senate colleagues and, and you know, kind of gave him the nod, hey, go ahead and pass this thing. i got to say I'm against it because I'm trying to become speaker. And they were literally laughing at him and deriding him and making fun of him because they knew he was just trying to get the votes for speaker. Congressman Good, what did you know 
I think it was six or seven weeks ago when you came forward. Give us the case. What did you know then that manifested itself today on the uh, on the floor? Because we did a, a real study of the mainstream media, MSNBC and CNN. They were absolutely shocked about what was going on. What did Bob Good know that played out today on historically on the uh, on the House floor? Thankful again for my colleagues. There are some true courageous conservative warriors in the House. I wish we had a few more of them in the Senate. But there are some true courageous conservative warriors, mostly in the Freedom Caucus, along with our friend and ally Matt Gates. And there were five of us who were willing to sort of walk that political plank. I've said many times, Steve, that almost everyone who's voicing support or expressing support for Kevin McCarthy for speakership among the Republican congressional members, it's because it's in their own selfish interest to do so. Whether it's avoiding any retaliation or any any consequence for not supporting him or because of what they stand to gain uh, with committee assignments or leadership opportunities or so forth. But every one of us who voiced our opposition to Kevin McCarthy and is voting against him now is doing so in conflict with their own selfish political interests. Isn't that the courage that we call for for members of Congress and people like you and I and our friends in the so-called conservative media have derided Republicans for failing to lead, for failing to show courage, for surrendering to the status quo and the swamp system. And now you've got a few of us willing to do that. And some of our, we thought, friends, some of those who play conservatives in the media industry, present company, of course, excluded for obvious reasons, uh, they are not really as conservative or as courageous as they have pretended to be. But I felt like these warriors, this group that we have would hold together. So far, it has held together. I think we're going to increase our numbers. I think it's just a different time, Steve. We see the 5 million illegals invading the border. We see the $32 trillion in national debt. We see what's going on in our education system. We see the weakening of our military. We see the surrender of our American energy independence. We see the weaponization of the federal government against its citizens. We see the hiring of the 87,000 IRS agents. On and on we could go. We're teetering as a country. It's too important. We can't do what we've always done. We've got to make transformational change. We know Kevin McCarthy represents the problem, not the solution, and we shouldn't be in a hurry to make a bad decision. We are in it for as long as it takes. He's not going to be speaker. We're not going to give in. The sooner he withdraws for the good of the country, the good of the Congress, and the good of the Republican Congress, the better off we will all be. We're going to try to get Jim Jordan through there. You know, 20 of us can't choose the speaker. It'll take 218. But as soon as Kevin McCarthy recognizes the reality because he's losing support, then we can move forward to see who is that, that best candidate we can get 218 votes for. I just remember the fourth, and this is what we were hearing, but you just uh, uh, verified it, that the, the fourth ballot, you the flood, I'm not saying the floodgates would have opened, but more people would have come to your cause. And that would have been a, basically the death knell for the McCarthy. They may have hung on for a couple more. Uh, ballots or votes, but that would have been the death knell for his attempt to speakership. Is that your assessment? Well, I think it's clearly you want momentum and you want to see us picking up votes, at least holding a lot of pressure on us, as you know, from we're in the House floor with, you know, 400, uh, 415 or so members who aren't voting the way we're voting. And there's pressure to cave and to give in. Everybody's tired. Everybody wants to go, you know, and, and, and you know, you're, 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 taking, you're taking incoming, if you will. You're taking the artillery from folks in the media, you know, who are supposed to be your friends and all. But, you know, again, this is what we signed up for. This is why we came to Congress. This is our moment. And we are here for just a t such a time as this. So we're willing to do whatever it takes to get this across the finish line. And yes, we believe we were going to pick up votes on that fourth ballot. And once that begins to happen, people are loyal until they're not loyal. And people are 
the, the people who are supporting Kevin McCarthy in the Congress, it's because they think it's in their best interest to do so. Once they realize he's not going to be speaker, they're going to be looking for other options. And you're going to see some of those other 434 members of the, of, of the Congress, the uh, 221 other Republicans who are going to be start to say, maybe it could be me. Maybe I could be speaker. And, and we're going to have the opportunity to vet those candidates publicly right there on the House floor or in, you know, if we adjourn to Republican conference meetings, we'll do it there. Congressman Boer was on in the last hour, and she said this morning it was quite nasty in the conference. In fact, Mike Rogers got up and basically threatened. She, she called it out. She said Mike Rogers stood up and said that if anybody that stood up today on the House floor and voted for Kevin McCarthy would be stripped of their committee assignments. I heard also directly from people of Party Year 19 during the second, uh, the second and third ballots that there was the knives are out in the cloakroom. Can you tell our audience the personal pressure that the 20 of you are under? Uh, to, yeah, well, we, uh, to had a conference we had a conference meeting this morning, and uh, it was really an orchestrated uh, attack, kind of trying to throw we as the Christians into the lion's den, if you will. And uh, it, you know, it's funny, if Kevin McCarthy, if he showed the same intensity, the same anger, the same toughness against Democrats and Democrat policies that are ruining the country, if he showed that same kind of intensity and anger and toughness against them these last two years as minority leader, that he showed against Republicans in the conference meeting this morning just because they wouldn't support him as speaker, we'd be probably having a different conversation today and probably be having a different vote today. But the only thing he cares about and the only conviction that he has is to become speaker, and he will do or say anything to become speaker. And so, yes, you saw that on full display this morning, and frankly, it had the opposite effect of what they intended. It just hardened our resolve, and it confirmed what we already knew, that our cause is just, and we've got to defeat him for speaker. And so I think it really just solidified that support. And we had many members who aren't part of our core group of 20 yet, but telling us on the House floor today how wrong that was, how embarrassing it was, how inappropriate it was, and really it soured them on McCarthy. Now, they're, they're going to be summoning their courage in, in, different, in, in different increments and different, uh, at different paces, of course, but uh, we're going to win the battle. We're going to do what it takes, and as far as I'm concerned, we are done with Kevin McCarthy. There's no more conversations to be had with him. There's no more negotiations to be had with him. He's an untrustworthy, weak leader who doesn't have any core convictions except becoming speaker. Any deal you made with him, you couldn't trust him to keep it anyway. He doesn't believe in the things that he's been trying to agree to do in a desperate attempt to become a speaker. So we've got to move forward with someone else, and that's what we're trying to do with Jim Jordan and on the House floor. Congressman, uh, uh, good. how would this play out tomorrow for our audience? How would this play out, and, and what assistance can this audience be? We've got about uh, two minutes. Yeah, what everybody needs to do is to reach out to their respective Republican congressmen if they're not part of the 20, and tell them they want them to vote against Kevin McCarthy, that they don't want Kevin McCarthy as speaker. The country cannot afford another two years of the uniparty, swamp cartel, sticking it to the American people, increasing the national debt, doing nothing about the border, and all the issues that we've, that we've talked about and you talk about ad nauseum on your show. They need to reach out to the Republican congressman and say, hey, why aren't you voting for Jim Jordan? He's the most popular Republican in the country on the congressional body anyway, uh, second most popular Republican in the country. But on the congressional side, he's certainly the most popular. And you know what? He's a loyal, faithful soldier. He's a humble warrior, a courageous conservative who will answer the call of duty, even though he's not seeking it to become speaker. That's why we want him as speaker, because he's the opposite of Kevin McCarthy. 
The number is 202-225-3121. That's the main switchboard. Ask for your uh, member of the House of Representatives and get the word out. Uh, Congressman Good, how can people in this very historic and intense time follow you on social media, sir? Uh, they can go to uh, uh, good.house.gov, good.house.gov, uh, which is our website. And then from there, they can get our, all of our social media sites as well, good.house.gov. No E in good, just good. Congressman Good. Congressman Good, as a Virginian, I can tell you, your profile in courage, and courage, sir, is contagious. You said it from the very beginning when you came on this show. It's played out exactly like you said it was. Thank you so much. Honored to have you here in the war room, sir. Thanks for being in the fight, Steve. Proud to be with you. Thank you, brother. Wow. What a day and what a night it's going to be and tomorrow. Be back here at 10 o'clock Eastern Standard Time tomorrow. It's going to be intense. I can tell you, a historic day for the MAGA movement. Today, it's going to be intense all night tonight. I'll be up on Getter, maybe even do a, a live chat with uh, Grace Chung and Captain Bannon, who was up on Capitol Hill today. Then tomorrow's going to be in, in more intensity. Also have this whole situation with uh, the uh, safety of the uh, Buffalo Bills. We're going to be drilling down on all of that. And the funeral of Pope Benedict. We'll have Joseph Pierce back and uh, Ben Harnwell and others for commentary. Make sure you're back here at 10 o'clock tomorrow morning and get to Getter. Follow us all night. See you tomorrow. Years have proven that we need to be prepared. We constantly see government overreach, attacks on our communication and energy grid, worldwide conflict, natural disasters, and the never-ending assault on our security and privacy. Having reliable communications is essential. But don't get caught without reliable communication. And I'm here to tell you, your fragile cell phone simply won't cut it. It will not cut it. That's why I've partnered with the Satellite Phone Store, so you can stay prepared and assure your vital communication stays private. They're one of America's largest satellite telephone companies with thousands of happy, well-prepared customers. Right now, they have a special promotional offer when you go to sat123.com slash Bannon. That is sat, S-A-T, 123.com slash Bannon, B-A-N-N-O-N. Get a free Amerisat satellite phone. 150 monthly minutes, free United States domestic number, and free rollover minutes for only $99.95 plus tax per month with an annual agreement. Now go to SAT, that's SAT123.com, SAT123.com slash Bannon, and get your device today. Don't put it off. Life can change in an instant. That's SAT123.com slash Bannon. Do it today. Take action. War Room Posse, you already know free speech is under constant attack by the swamp and their big tech allies. They resell your communications and personal data while lecturing and laughing at you. I've got the solution. Unplugged Systems, a secure communications company, has an app suite you can install on any Android phone, including its own uncancelable app store, VPN, antivirus, and highly encrypted messenger better than Wicker, Signal, Telegram, or anything else. None of your message or VPN traffic is stored, analyzed, or sold. Claim your security for only $10 a month. Go to their website, unplugged.com. That's unplugged.com slash warroom to install the Unplugged Suite. It's secure. It's private. It's the way we stay connected and informed. Get it now. Take action, action, action. Use your agency.